Good morning, guys. All right. So um, I think we're a culture that's consumed by symbolism and icons and emojis, right? So I just want us to think about what is the emoji, if you use emojis, that you use most often, okay? That like actually come up for you, like that is set aside already for you because you use it that much. And then I want you to turn to the person next to you and share, what is that emoji that you use? Mine is this, you know, with the teeth like this, like, ooh, that's mine. All right, so just take like 15 seconds and share with the person next to you, what is your most used emoji? Use the most. Oh, heart. Mm, yeah, nice. Prayer, yes. And, and what? Face palm. Oh, yeah. 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 That's a good one. Now, I mean, I think that with Christmas, we have so many different symbols and icons as well, right? I mean, Costco starts cel celebrating Christmas in September, right? Like we see wreaths or Christmas trees, stars, angels. Um, nativity, Rudolph, right? Like there's so many symbols around the holidays. And I think that because of that, we don't think very often about the meaning of those symbols and why they are so significant to us, right? Like, and, and that permeates even through the Christmas story. And when we think about the Christmas story and we think about like, oh yeah, that's totally normal. The nativity, like this baby was surrounded by animals. That's totally normal. Right. And yet I think that we, we miss the conspiracy of the Christmas story. In Luke, we see an angel show up in a young woman's home with a scandalous message. It says this in Luke, right? Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. That is an absolutely normal response, right? The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. How can this be since I am a virgin? Mary said to the angel. She is confounded because this is crazy. It is crazy. What, it is crazy that an angel would show up to her. It is crazy what the angel says to her and scientifically, she's like, this is not possible, right? It's unheard of. She could not have come up with this plan for her life in any game of mash, right? Like this never would have come up. The Israelites were promised a Messiah. They knew this. If they knew the scriptures, they had been waiting for the savior that God was going to send to them to rescue his people from darkness. They know that all throughout scripture. And yet there was an assumption that what that meant was that this Messiah was going to politically overthrow Rome and restore to God's people freedom and prosperity and power. That as God's chosen people, they would be lifted back up as the most prosperous and powerful nation again. That was the assumed plan. That was what they were waiting for. And instead, God saw it fit to tuck the savior of the world into an unremarkable town through an unassuming Jewish girl. Christ, who scripture says there in, is in the beginning and through all things, 
decided to set aside his omnipresence and omniscience in exchange for finite human knowledge and the limitation of a few square miles in the Middle East. He did not have galleons of soldiers to call upon. He did not have a huge palace to put his riches into, right? Instead, he was born in a manger right into the poverty and oppression of his people. It is there that he shows this extravagant love. Hamilton Wright may, maybe says this, blessed is the season which engages the whole world in a conspiracy of love. And it is conspiracy that we are celebrating here. It is a scandalous message that we are celebrating here. It is not just a normal thing that we would see the nativity scene or that we would see angels as ornaments on trees because that was crazy, right? And yet that is what we get to celebrate as we celebrate God's love for us. This week, as we enter into the third week of Advent, we celebrate love. And honestly, I think sometimes we don't get to choose how God shows his love. Sometimes we can't see how the thing that he does or allows is loving at all. But I hope we don't miss it. I hope it doesn't require an angel shining bright light in our house to reveal to us, oh, God is here and he is showing his love to us. I hope we don't, like so many others in the gospels, miss Jesus coming and miss his story and, and his, his acting out of God's love because they had a different assumption of how God was supposed to work. And they're like, this can't be it because God is supposed to come politically and take over. So this can't be the way that God's gonna show his love right now. I hope that as we look around in this season and in our lives, in our current circumstances, that we would be able to see God's love at work, his always present love amongst us. And that when we look back in our lives, that as we look over the vista of our lives, that we would see these mount mountains and these little towers of the ways that God has loved us and carried us through both good and hard situations in our lives. Now, here's the thing that happens next. The angel tells Mary, oh, by the way, your cousin, Elizabeth, she's also going through something real big, <laughs> right? I showed up to Zachariah too. And, uh, I'm doing this crazy thing, this miracle in your cousin who's supposed to be barren. They're super old and yet they are going to have a baby, right? And she's already six months pregnant. In the ways where God shows up and we're thrown, sometimes he gives us people that are just a little ahead of us that can understand where we have been, that are maybe sharing that miracle with us so that we may be strengthened by their faith by their perspective, having gone through a miracle. We see that as much as Mary is confounded and no one has ever gone through what she's gone through and no one will ever go through what she's gone through, that there is this gift in the midst of that the angel gives her. And he, it is, there is someone that is almost like you, right? And it is your cousin and you can go see her and you guys can talk about, hey, super crazy. An angel showed up to both of us, right? Like, and super crazy. We both have pregnancies that are a little like against the norm here, right? And they get to share in that together, old and young lives intertwined in this, in the purposes of God. They get to believe in one another's crazy and complicated miracles. And perhaps if Mary had told a bunch of other people, they would have been like, I don't believe you. I think a different scandal happened here, right? 
But you know who would who would have believed her? Elizabeth, because she's like, oh, yeah, because I've got my own crazy story that nobody will believe either. And it is in that that we get to live out our faith. And that is true then. And that is true now, because the reality is we're not invited to live out our faith on our own. Right. We are invited to hear other people's stories. You were invited to hear, yeah, how did you go through that? Tell me, how did you have the faith? How did you have the courage? How did you have the knowledge of the truth of God's love that you were able to walk through those things? Tell me so I may borrow your faith for a little bit and walk with you. Would you walk with me through that? And that is the gift that God gives us through community. And this morning, um, I get to invite my friends Peg and Wynn to come up and share their story. And we get to say, would you... Would you show us a picture? Would you give us a picture of how God has been faithful to you and how God has loved you and that we may borrow your faith for a little bit this morning? So come on up, you guys. Do I move this? Okay, let's move this. Thanks for joining me this morning. Um, this is Peg and Wynn. I will let them introduce themselves. <laughs> um. I will let you guys introduce yourselves a little bit, but I, I will just say, I really like them. They are just wonderful people. I remember meeting you guys when you guys first started coming and the warmth that I get from you, um, the, uh, the kindness and the curiosity that you have for other people, the questions that you ask and the willingness for you to share your own life. I just feel so grateful that I've been let in and that you guys have said yes to sharing more of your story. I mean, I can't think of any better people to share about God's always present love. And so thank you so much for coming and sharing your story this morning. Um, just to get us started, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves, like a snapshot of your spiritual journeys and where God has revealed his always present love to you? Um. <laughs> Well, I guess I should start by saying that we've been married for 27 years and we have two boys by God's grace, by God's grace big time. <laughs> we have a 19 year old and a 16 year old son. They're sitting up in the front and my mother-in-law is visiting this weekend. She didn't connect it because she's from California, but wonderful that she could be here with us. So um, I'm going to start by sharing a little bit of my testimony. Um, just because how you so perfectly expressed it this morning and even the first song that we sang, the way, I, the only way that I can feel God's present love this year and this day in my life is by recalling and recounting and praising him for his presence in my life and his love in my life from, from day one. Mm. And I'm, I'm very blessed that my mother led me to the Lord when I was really young, uh, around five or six. And her and I went to church for a couple of years until she brought my dad to the Lord. Um, and, and that was pretty remarkable because when I was five or six, my mom was only 20 and she was married. Um, and yet she found the Lord and led my dad to the Lord. And for the first 10 years, um, or for the next 10 years, uh, we went to church and we were very involved in our church, and I got a really strong Bible-based uh, teaching in that church. I'm really grateful that for that, um, because about when I was turned 15, 
it got really rocky. Mm-hmm. And um, the mom who had led this family, I had two brothers um, by the time I was 15. This mom who had at a very young age led us all to the Lord um, actually uh, started to realize the very true fact that she had lost her childhood to raising children. Because by the time she was 25, she had um, she had three kids and had been married for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and instead of turning to Jesus in that pain, she, she renounced him and she um, divorced my dad and she um, abandoned my two brothers. Um, when she, at, I was 20 at the time, so I, I, I guess I can say she abandoned me too, but I'm, I was so much older. I had a 10-year-old brother, so he was, it was really hard for him and my 15-year-old brother to have their mom just up and leave. Um, so that's pretty grim, but um, it's also kind of beautiful as I look back because that's the point in my life where, where God really showed up, where I can recall that he really showed up because there was so much, there was so much hard stuff going on in my family. Um, and, and yet God's love and his presence was there so dramatically. I mean, I'm here today because of that. Um, and I was... <laughs> preparing my te- testimony a couple years ago and God really put on my heart, James 1 27 mm. religion that God, our father finds pure and faultless is this to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And you might think, what is that verse come? How is that fit the theme of love? Yeah. But when I was an orphan when I felt like an orphan, when my brothers were definitely orphans at very young ages. The only way we felt God's love was by the unbelievable Christians in our life who chose to be sacrificial and to present themselves in a tangible way to help us. Um, I was blessed to go to a Christian high school. That's actually where I met Wynn. And um, so I had a strong group of Christian people surrounding me. And when my family imploded, they stepped up. Um, I had youth pastors and their wives who let me come and live with them every weekend when it was really tough at home. Um, I had a Christian high school guidance counselor who really saw the psychological damage that was going on in me as a high schooler with my mom resenting me so much because I was at a place where she didn't get to be. She was married and raising kids when I, when she was my age. And she took me under her wings and really made me believe that I could go to college, um, that there, that was a possibility. My father's from Mexico, um, and I was the first person to even consider going to to college. It just was not something that an immigrant to America could think about. He was all about getting a job and working hard, and I'm very proud of him for that, but it wasn't something that he understood that you would go to college. Um, And this high school counselor said, not only are you going to college, but I'm going to help you get into college. And, um, she was by my side at some really, in some really dark places. And, and she was, had a full-time job. She had a family and yet she took many hours out of her, out of her day to, to take care of me and to be there for me. And then when I was in college, um, working three jobs to get through it, uh, there was another Christian in my life who I realized, saw that I didn't have a safe place to live. 
And she invited me to move in with her and her husband and not just me, cause I was a package deal. She let my 10 year old brother come and, and move into. Um, and so those Christians that gave their agape love, sacrificial love, that's how God was present. There was just no way that I could see anything but God's present love in my life because of, because of how his believers showed up and, mm. and gave to me. That's incredible. Yeah. When thank you, Vicki. Thank you for letting us share. I have to say, I, I love to go into a sermon and hear a well-polished sermon <laughs> and you gave a great early introduction this morning, but I think that this opportunity to hear people share components of their life is deeply meaningful. And it's a reminder to me because I'm a little bit of an introvert, how important it is to share your story and to hear people's stories because it can be so encouraging uh, when you're going through tough times. And it reminds us that we're not alone. And for some reason, God's chosen to work, to work his way out through people, which at times just seems illogical to me because we're so flawed. Um, but I'm grateful that uh, in the midst of that, he brings about beautiful things. Um, I uh, I don't have quite as difficult of a story as my wife. Um, I've actually been very privileged to grow up in a fairly stable home. Um, my father was a physician uh, and I got to live in the same house my entire time growing up. And my parents, uh, you know, took care of a lot of my needs. And I'm very grateful for that. I, at times I feel guilty about it even because I I feel I see people around me that haven't had that opportunity. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple stories. Uh, one is uh, when I was, was about five years old, uh, my dad had this um, this old beat up Volkswagen or uh, Oldsmobile, Oldsmobile station wagon. You guys can imagine this from like 1973 ish, maybe something like that. It's about five. And uh, actually, this this station wagon became a source of consternation for me as I got older because it uh, it was embarrassing because it was poured out smoke and my dad would drive me to school in it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this thing is so embarrassing. But my dad would load this stuff up and we had this house on a hillside and he would back stuff up the driveway and uh, he put the gate down. And so I had this habit of sitting on the back of the gate as he was backing up our, our driveway. And I actually started to get the habit of jumping off the back gate of the station wagon because uh, I thought it was fun. And one day the dog and my sister and my dad were in the car driving. And then uh, I'm sitting on the back gate and I jumped off and uh, I fell on the ground and my dad didn't see me and he rolled over me and he dragged me on the driveway for about seven or eight feet. And my head got caught between the muffler and the ground. And my dad didn't know I was under the car and uh, I should have died that day. Uh, I can remember feeling that pressure on my head as a little kid and my sister screamed out. She saw it. my dad didn't see it. And uh, uh, my dad stopped the car and dragged my head out. And I just had some scratches and uh, it was pretty remarkable. And I, I, uh, I look back on that and I think I, that should have ended my life right there, right then and there. And I'm 52 years old now and I've lived a good life and um, God was protecting me even as a, as a little boy. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, when I, um, I, I went to a Christian uh, elementary school and junior high and high school. So I was just inundated with God's word and God's influences, but also saw a lot of hypocrisy in my friends that went to these uh, uh, events, but then lived lives that didn't really reflect Jesus. Some of them, not all of them. And then I went to a secular college, um, which really, um, for the first time, I felt like I could be whatever I wanted to be and believe whatever I wanted to believe. 
And God in his mercy uh, surrounded me with people that had a stronger faith than I'd ever seen before. Uh, people that had owned this faith through their own, you know, coming to a knowledge of Jesus and coming to a personal encounter with him and uh, showing me that this is a, this was a faith that I could own on my own, that it was no longer my parents' faith. Um, and I, I just, I just, I'm grateful for that experience that he sent people to me that were uh, encouraging to me and that showed me by their actions and by the way they live their life, that this is a real thing. And then it's not just, uh, the faith of my, my parents. So I, I guess I would just say in short that I look back on my life and we've heard this theme this morning of Peggy. And I, even in one of the songs we were singing that, that, um, that, you know, our, our God is a multidimensional God. Um, and he's given us one dimension. I'm sorry, I'm going to geek out for a minute here, but he's given us one dimension. And it's the dimension of the past that we can look back on our past and we can remember. And we can remember God's faithfulness to us throughout the years. And sometimes when we're going through it, we don't see it. But then we look back and we see like one event after another, after another, where God showed up and he was there and he was faithful to us. And as you get older, I'm now 52. I'm like, wow, Lord, you have been leading me down this path all these years, and you've been steering me clear of horrible mistakes I would have made, and you've put me in the presence of lovely people like my wife, and you've given me a beautiful family, and you've, you've given me the fellowship of believers, and I'm so grateful for that. And so I think those that that memory is such an important thing because it brings us into a, a place of worship. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, all throughout scripture calls us to remember, right? But I think that it's so easy to not remember and just stay focused on the circumstances right before you. So, I mean, as, as you think about like just currently, like what are circumstances around you in this year or in this season that God showed you a new facet of his love and, and how Jesus is always present with you? I'm, I'm kind of laughing because it's been quite a year where I've needed to look back at what I shared because I'm so quick to forget God's love and God's presence. And I don't, I don't feel like it's, it's a feeling it's, it's more of a fact mm. and I need to look mm. back on those facts. Otherwise I will, I will fall into feelings of anxiety and where's God and where's his love because I, you know, it's just a hard time right now. Um, and this year has been, been really fine. Um, it's been great, uh, big milestones in our life. Our son Finn graduated from high school and started college. And I think a lot of you have heard us talk about because it's been an obsession. He not only started college, but he decided to go to Scotland for college. Ooh. So moved a very long way away from, from me, from us. And um, as far as he could get, as as he could get <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, this year has been joy in seeing him turn into a young man, but peppered with a lot of anxiety and worry on my part. Um, because he was going to be so far away and, and not under our home anymore. And I know when we were sharing last week, I told you what us old ladies tell younger moms <laughs> that the days are long and the years are short. And I, that I, I felt that so much this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, long days of raising two little boys in, in a snap, they're gone. And we're at this year where Finn's leaving the home. He left the home Declan's just two years behind him and I'm rejoicing in that. That's what our children are supposed to do, but it's also, it's a, it's a change. And I've, um, I've really struggled with anxiety and worry this year about God's love being in my boy's life, 
once they're they're leaving our home. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't have a basis for that other than I think control and a change in the way for the last 19 years I've been in charge of these two little boys. I mean, and and I and then all of a sudden you're not in charge anymore. And I and I, you know, I know God's always in charge, but on the day-to-day basis, you, you do do so much for your boys. Um, but when, when one's moving 5,000 miles away, there's no more being in charge and there's no more illusion of control. And I was really, um, just worried about is God's love going to be with them when, when they're, he's outside of my home, which is silly. It's so silly. And even just preparing for this has helped me see how silly that is because, um, it really struck me that, Finn is the age that I was when my family fell apart, when, when we really, I went through a really tough period. And that's the moment in my life when I remember that God, that I can see the first time I can really see God was present. His love was there. He came in like a force and, and took care of me and took care of my brothers. And I'm, I'm here today following Jesus. And it's such a, it's such a strange thing to think of because my mom brought me to the Lord, but then she walked away from the Lord, but God didn't walk away from me and he didn't walk away from her either. Mm. But, um, I don't know why I've had so much worry about Finn and about Declan and God being present in their life. When all I have to do is look back and see how much God has been present in my own life. Yeah. And our family is far from perfect, but I, but I am thankful. I think I can say that our family life is not quite as bad as it was for me. So why would I think that God would not be present for my boys when, when he was so present for me? Yeah. I mean, as a mom, I can, I can absolutely understand that. I mean, you're like, it's so silly. How could I not? I was like, I mean, that's like my daily life, right? Like here's all the ways that God has been faithful to me, but I am freaking out. Like, how is, how's my son going to make friends? He keeps, you know, like alienating all of them how's my kid gonna you know do he's he has a 103 fever for two days straight right like I think that there I wish we just could naturally transfer our experiences of God's faithfulness to every single circumstance right but it doesn't work that way right like he calls us to remember he it has to be a new faith that we extend every time you know and I think that that's that's both really good. And that's also really, really hard. It does not feel silly at all to me hearing it from you, you know? Yeah. How about you, Wood? I mean, I would, I would just echo, I think a lot of our attention has been on our kids. Um, I think for me, I, I kind of deal with, uh, so some of you may know I'm a, I'm a surgeon, I'm an eye surgeon at OHSU. And I, so I feel like I carry a little bit of a burden of stress and my family sees this that I, I bring home all the time, just worrying about things that have transpired throughout the day or decisions I've made that affect people's lives. And then just being in a system that is maybe inherently stressful. So I'm, I'm, I would say that, um, one of God's constant reminders to me has been, I'm, I'm a little bit of an eye geek. So I'm, when I, when I think of God, interesting, I have this image in my mind. I, I have this image of these two eyes that are watching me and they're not creepy or weird. They're like, they're like, I think that's what we're envisioning. They're like, they're like loving eyes and they're full of love. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, it strikes me that, you know, when you're having a conversation with someone, it's deeply personal. When you look them in the eye, mm-hmm. it's like, you're getting, especially if it's a conversation that's going somewhere deep, you're like, 
you're, um, you just feel more in touch with them. You feel like you have a part of their soul. And even, you know, Jesus said that, that the, that the eyes were like a window to the soul. And so to look into someone's eyes is, is I think is deeply personal. And I think even though I, I haven't been able to look right into God's eyes, I, I feel like, I feel like these eyes are eyes that are watching me. And it sometimes I get a glimpse of them or I get a glimpse of him. And I would say that one very practical example of that in, in my life at, at, at a, a secular university is, is that God surrounded me with believers in our department, which is, is really uncanny in my mind. And it, it, I guess I've been asking myself, what, what does that mean? And what do we do with that? Because part of the reason that Peggy and I are in this church is because a believer in this church told us about uh, this community. And it was a believer that I work with. And it was, um, it was actually a few believers. It was, it was, it was uh, <laughs> a few that, you know, in the church here, <laughs> but um, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that there are people in my work community that are struggling with things that I am and that would understand some of my spiritual battles and some of my stresses and are able to relate to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I know we, we joke about like how half the churches works at KCI. Um, but I think, you know, as you were sharing with me that how, how crazy and spectacular it is that in that field, it's very secular. So you didn't know that when you were applying that you were going to walk into this place that had all these strong Christians and how that changed your work environment and your experience. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely true. And I, I think, you know, one of the things I I've talked to Aina about this a little bit and, 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 uh, is, is it's like, what, how do we respond to this? The fact that God's put this community of believers in this position and what do we do with this and what does it mean? Uh, and I don't know what it means. Yeah. Um, but I, I hope that we will have the heart to respond to it and to, if there's something more than what we're doing on a daily basis, um, that we will be able to, to respond in a way that pleases God. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and maybe that leads to my last question is as you've experienced God's always present love, like what are the invitations that you've experienced him asking you to, um, go into sharing that love? Well, I, th I think when he gave me that verse, James one twenty seven a couple of years ago, yeah. it really, um, I saw, I saw it acted out in my life and I, God really challenged me to act that forward in my life. Um, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to work on that because I'm never going to perfect it. I know, but, but, um, agape love and real tangible helping people, not just saying Jesus loves you, like the people in my life, but they showed me that Jesus loved me by doing really hard things, yeah. opening their home, feeding me and my brothers, yeah. helping me, you know, get into college. So I think, I think I have to be looking around me every day and saying, how can I show people Jesus's love? Um, you know, we've been in a really, the pandemic and political, um, environment that's been very tense and, um, I, God has really placed on my heart uh, that I, I don't need to argue. I don't need to talk the talk. I need to just walk it. And I, and I think that that's where me personally, where I can show Jesus, where I, where someone can be, be come to the Lord because of me, not because of anything I'm saying, but because I'm doing what he's calling me to do. Um, can you share that egg sandwich story? Oh God, really? Real quick, real quick. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Um, 
<laughs> I shared with Vicky that we had a we had a person living in their car. Okay. I I just want to add because I Vicky and I we were talking about this last week and I I confessed to her that um, even though I I feel that God has given us so much and He's manifested His love in our life that I I struggle with feeling some resentment about homelessness in our city um, and I guess just the practical aspects of how it has made our city not so beautiful and has created an environment where we feel less safe has created an environment where we don't enjoy walking on the sidewalks and seeing things like that and really struggling with that personally. So I, I think that's part of where the story came out. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. yeah. So we had, we had an individual that uh, drove up to our neighborhood and parked and he happened to park right in front of our house across the street, but my kitchen windows are big and I I'm in the kitchen a lot. And I, he was there uh, 24 seven in his pickup truck. And he, clearly there was, he was going through something. He was having a really hard time and we're pretty, we live in a pretty safe neighborhood. We're, um, and, he, and we hadn't seen a lot of that before. It's becoming more, um, more prevalent, but this was, I don't know, maybe two years ago. And it was kind of a big deal that we hadn't had that. And he, and he, he looked like he was struggling mentally and he was getting out and, you know, taking care of business right there and uh, on the side of the road. And, you know, we have a neighborhood email thing and it was, everyone was freaking out, but what, what are you going to do? Um, and I, 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 after a couple of days, I really felt, I don't know, cause I'm a Mexican mama and I love to cook. I really felt God say, make him an egg sandwich, make him a hot, <laughs> make him a hot meal. <laughs> um, I think it just had eggs. Maybe that's, that's why it was an egg sandwich, but I knew that I could make him something warm in, in two, between two pieces of bread and I could go take it out to him. And I know it was the Holy spirit talking to me. I don't feel like I hear the Holy spirit enough, but when he really wants me to do something, I can hear it. And I had this struggle on my head. I'm like, well, well, what if, what if he wants an egg sandwich tomorrow? Or, you know, am I enabling him and I, am I empowering him? You know, silly things, but but God said, I don't, I don't care about tomorrow. I want you to do this for him today. So that's it. So she did, she made it, she brought it over. I mean, and I think that that's, that's just, you know, like, I think what you're saying is, yes, we sometimes think of these big grand things of like, how are we going to show God's love to the world? And I think sometimes it's just make him an egg sandwich today. Like, let's not think about tomorrow. Let's not think about what path this leads you on, but it's just the daily faithfulness that, um, we get to say yes to, um, can I pray for you? Yeah. Father God, we thank you so much for just all the ways that you have been so faithful in your love to peg and to win. And, um, that, um, really that the invitation to remember is so much of how you display your love. And, and God, I, I just pray that even as they move forward, as they are asking bigger questions of how to um, show your love um, in real tangible and true ways around them in the places that you've placed them, God, I pray that you would be clear. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak. I pray that they would um, be beacons of your love wherever they are. And yeah, God, I, I also just pray for their boys and, and just the ways that they have experienced their parents' love and your love. And God, I, I, I thank you so much for their testimony and the ways that they speak the fears and the anxieties that we feel 
and and that they as even as they wrestle and they try and be faithful in those places that that it is an encouragement to us and an invitation for us to lean into that love that you have for us we thank you so much for your love your always present love to us we pray this in your name amen <laughs>